Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Five Star Movie Podcast, a movie podcast from two guys who are currently listening to Jefferson Airplane on their portable and who sometimes watch movies. I am Ryan Hurley, and I'm here with, as always, with my esteemed co-host. Sam Wolf Cool, who can't say he's watched uh, too many movies. None? none, not, Not that many at all? I think in the last week, I haven't watched a movie since Sunday. Whew. Jeez. I know. It hurts. It hurts deep. This is what the, the, the least amount of movies you've been watching per day since what probably. Oh my God. Last year. I've watched five movies since we've last convened. <laughs> Normally you're watching like three a day. I'm I shocked. It sucks. Just the time does not exist and that's okay. Must, uh, must roll with the punches. True, true. There's only so many hours in the day for watching movies, and sometimes it constricts and sometimes it opens up. Agreed. <laughs> uh, of the five movies you watched in the last week, though, what, what has been your favorite? Uh, I watched a, you know, it, you know, I normally don't talk about the movies I watch or the rewatchables because they're a big competitor of ours. <laughs> um, yes, we're, we're neck and neck in listenership. <laughs> But I watched a, a, a movie that they, they recommended that I had to find on Netflix DVD as it got put on Prime. Uh, <laughs> Pump Up the Volume. It's a 1990 film with Kristen Slater where basically he plays a teenager who like has a pirate radio station and he kind of like like he just like speaks a lot of like truths if you're like a high schooler where like you kind of agree with everything he's saying and like the high school he goes to, he like just like tears down, and the high school is actually like a like his high school is like a really like terrible place where they're like weeding out the low SAT kids and they're like expelling Jeez. them. So like he goes on every night at ten o'clock and he does like a variety of different things, but he's always like playing like really good music of the like really of the time like good music, <laughs> and just like tearing down the high school. Like he takes phone calls to people. Um, there's like a really big like big thing that happens like a little bit into the movie that kind of like th- during one of his like pot podcast it's ba- he basically invented podcasting but <laughs> there's like a really big thing that happens at, in the at the beginning of the movie like maybe 30 minutes in that kind of like dictates the rest of the movie but uh christian slater's like really good in it and that was apparently like around the time where people like really thought he'd be something and he definitely isn't something which is uh <laughs> Like it's funny to think about because like one of the, his the first movie of his I saw was Heather's and I saw that like probably over a year ago which means like that was like really early in like my like really like beefing up on my movies journey and I was like who is this guy like who is this I've never even heard of Christian Slater <laughs> so that's too bad but he was it, he's really a dynamic guy it is insane to think that like he uh was like supposed to be the next big thing like that. He was just so primed for that and that it just never happened for him. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, he, he's made, I mean, the three movies I've seen is like Heather's true romance and pump up the volume. Like that's a, that's a pretty good row of three films to be in. He's like, he's awesome. I rarely do. I see like a movie where I'm like, I wish Christian Slater wasn't in that or whatever, you know, like I'm all, whenever I see him in something, I'm like, yeah, thank God he's finally in something. 
you know, you don't get to have that thought very much, sadly. I do like though that he's um he's seems seemingly having like this uh like second career as just like playing himself in cameos and things like that, just popping up as Christian Slater. <laughs> you know what? Good for him. And apparently he's worth thirty million dollars, so he does not need me telling him he never made it. You know, I thirty million dollars uh for me to never quote unquote make it for thirty million dollars, I, I I'd love that. I'd be happy with that. I could do that. You know I, what? I can live with that. I was telling my uh my girlfriend today, I was like, maybe we should both quit our jobs and just like live stream us playing Rocket League and see where that gets us. Honestly, you, you, it might be it might be worth it. You never know. We we both blow. Have fun watching us. Our commentary is probably good. Make that the joke. Yeah, we we stuck at the game, but we're funny. It's the one time we actually ever argue is when I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I thought you were going to get it. I'm like, no. (laughs) You know, I would watch it. I'd stream you guys on Twitch. Oh, man, that'd be fun. All right. Anyway, what have you been watching lately? (laughs) Uh, I've I've been able to uh, uh, watch significantly more than five movies this week. It's been a freaking marathon man i uh it's been a it's been a sean fennessy from the big picture ask week for me as far as watching movies um but i've been going through that criterion horror list so i watched um the 1973 version of the wicker man which mm. is much better than the cage one so good so so good i love that movie <laughs> it like it um I I wasn't sure what to expect, you know, because I think a lot of people, first of all, like the Nick Cage one is like hilariously bad. And then a, a lot of people were drawing like comparisons between that and Midsommar last year. And so like, I was partially worried that I was going to go into it and be like a little bit disappointed, but it's just a wild, it's just a wild movie. And it's, it's really fun to watch. I uh, I feel like it's like more unhinged than Midsommar, and people are like were like crazed about how like unhinged Midsommar was, and it's like Wicker Man. There's like <laughs> there's like there's just so many scenes in that movie that wouldn't wouldn't happen today. Yeah, like it, they're they're certainly like on the same level, if not if not Wicker Man being more unhinged, because like. It's like what's what's crazier, like the scene where like the the landlord's daughter is like dancing naked, yeah. or like in, in Midsommar where Jack Raynor is like having sex with the girl, and the old woman like is pushing his ass to help him thrust. <laughs> it's like on the same level. <laughs> That's such a good movie. That's literally my girlfriend had never seen it. She she started it, and it got to the part where like the rain's falling, and it's like the opening credits, and I'm like, oh. I'm in. Like, let's just finish it. Let's just finish the next yeah. two and a half hours. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like something where you're like, "Here we go." I'm I'm ready for Midsummer. I I saw Midsummer like I think two or three times in theaters because I was just like, "Oh, this is awesome." Oh my god, I didn't realize Jack Raynor. Raynor is he the guy from Transformers who like has like the Jack and Jill uh, laminated card on him when he's given? Yes. Oh my god. Yes, and his Irish accent is coming and going throughout the whole movie. <laughs> it's actually legal. I got it. Oh, it's like, and Marky Mark is like, what? The Romeo and Juliet law. 
I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm an inventor. It's a transformer. I'm Mackie Mack. <laughs> I was watching Dancing with the Stars when someone danced to uh, uh, an NK, uh, New Kids on the Block song. And they, they brought oh out... My God. Uh, they like like Donnie gave her a shout out, and I like nudged my girlfriend. I was like, "Hey, it's the guy from Saw 2. <laughs> it's the most famous Wahlberg. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg might come for you tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna show up in my sleep. Um, he's gonna show how he's not only a badass in uh, action movies, but in real life. Have you seen the thing, like, there's, like, a quote from a profile on him where he said that he would have stopped 9-11. Have you seen that? Oh. I don't know the whole quote, but, like, I've seen that. People, like, people have a lot of good, dirt, like, things he's done in the past. He, he's wild. Like, I think he's definitely, like, a celebrity where he's a little bit detached from reality at this point. <laughs> He's a really, like, strange guy because, like, he's a big star, and if he made, like, one movie a year, I wouldn't be surprised, but he just, like, pumps movies. Yeah, he's just, like, he he just, I think he's just a guy who just needs to be on a set every day, you know? He's like, I don't give a shit what it is, I'm just going to be on a set. I, uh, I don't think he's a great actor, but, like, I like him. Like, I enjoy his presence. He's kind of in that, like, uh, level of, like, action star where it's like fun bad actor you know where it's just like i know his personality in this movie i know what he's gonna be and i'm just like gonna roll with that like i feel like he's one of those people that like film people like disagree on because you get i feel like you okay you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like you get the film people who are like he just isn't a good actor like he makes good movies not a good actor but then you get like the people who are like his movies are some of his movies are like classic of course i think he's a good actor yeah no definitely like it's just some people like want to like so some people have like a very rigid definition of what a good actor is i think and it's like if they work in the movie for you they're doing a good job you know like i don't know what to tell you i agree like is he really is he really like firing it up for dignum in in the departed yes but like every line he has in the departed is awesome so like can I say he's doing a bad job? Hell no. No, I like Marky Mark. Mark <laughs> Marky Mark. We're a Marky Mark pod. I think that's. I think that's obvious, though. We're we're pro Marky Mark here on the five star pod. I if, think we'll, we'll be talking about the fighter. The fighter. <laughs> good movie. We'll get some more Marky Mark. Uh, you got a quick question for us today, Will? I actually have. I have uh, a quick. Uh... This is not my question, but uh, how? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm gonna ask this question with a little less excitement than what I'm feeling because I'm so excited about this. But how? Uh, how excited are you for Anya Taylor Joy to play a young Furiosa in the new Mad Max movie? I am incredibly excited. I, I'm. I'm so happy they announced this. I also know though that like, this is going to be the most excited we're allowed to get about it until like four years from now when the movie actually comes out. Because they're just going to like disappear into the Australian outback, and we're not going to hear from them. And be like, remember that Mad Max movie? And then all of a sudden, it's going to come out, and we'll be like, holy shit, it looks awesome. <laughs> I am such a, um, I'm such an Anya Taylor Joy guy. It's like not even funny. I freaking, I freaking love her. I'll watch anything with her. 
She has a TV show she, coming out. I might even watch it. <laughs> she's uh, she's just like consistently making interesting choices with like the the role she takes. Uh, even like, even like something like uh, uh, New Mutants. Like I, I can understand why she like gave that one a try as like her uh, uh, superhero movie, even if that like did not end up well. <laughs> you know yeah i mean she probably made that decision at like such a different point in her career than she was now like i wonder if she even knew she was gonna be like in like emma when she picked the new mutants i bet she didn't i i bet she didn't even like have an idea of being like when they when they shot that was that even before like split okay so i'm, I'm looking at her filmography right now because i couldn't remember the name of a movie i wanted to mention of hers but uh, Split was 2016. I feel like she probably knew she was going to be in the New Mutants. Maybe just that was maybe the New Mutants was like the next the next choice. I believe that. Man, that'd be Split. wow. That'd be that's a lot. I mean, she goes from being like the the bitch to like Split to New Mutants. That would have been New Mutants would have been a lot better if, if it wasn't like you know dragged out for so long. But um, <laughs> yeah. I'll let you be the uh, the authority on New Mutants. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, I love her, and I'm excited for her, and I think she's going to be really good. I'm happy they're not going to, like, de-age Charlize. I, don't, I just don't mm-hmm. have any interest in that. I Like, I love Charlize Theron, and I would have seen it opening night anyway, but I love Anya Taylor-Joy, and I think this is the right, uh, the right step for her. I think she... I think a lot of people liked Emma, which... Mm-hmm. I think as good of a movie as Emma was, I think it would have like blew if you put like, like I don't know, like Emma Watson in that role or something like that. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think like even people that weren't like super jazzed about Emma, I think were at least in on her from that movie. Um, and like, yeah, it, it just like she's got good momentum going right now. Um. You know what? This is actually going to be our quick question. We talked enough about this. We can keep going. I got I got one last thought on it. I will never get over this woman I used to work with when I brought up Anya Taylor-Joy and she was just like, yeah, I don't really think she's like that pretty. And I was like, what? Or do we? Wrong. What? Just wrong. It's like, yeah, <laughs> she looks kind of different. I'm like, yeah. When does that become a bad thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seems like she's just fishing. She's just fishing for something. I'm like, what? But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I can't wait to someday <laughs> like revisit Split in like 20 years when Haley Lou and Anya Taylor Joy have like a combined three Oscars, and I oh, can yeah. be like, wow, this movie has my two favorite people to ever exist, and I don't like, and I still don't like this movie very much. <laughs> Shout out, definitely part of the Haley Lou vibe too. Oh my gosh. Shout out, support the girls in, in Columbus. Oh, I love Haley Lou. Haley Lou's like, I'm not a huge Haley Steinfield guy. So I think Haley Lou's like by far the best part of Etch 17. I've got to still got to see that. Or Woody. Woody Harrelson's the best part of any movie. Yeah. True. <laughs> but he's not phoning it in. <laughs> Woody. So you've never seen Etch 17? Mm-mm. I know it was on Netflix forever. Yes. I, I need to just go and like go and watch it. It has it's got some big people in it who like are becoming something. It has Haley Steinfeld who's like does a, a lot of different things. 
um, as, as you know, uh, Haley Lou, and then uh, the guy is going to be in the like new like twenty year long um, Linklater movie. I think it's Blake Jenner. Yeah, he was in Glee. Oh, he was in uh, Everybody Wants Some as well. Apparently, which is another another Linklater movie too. Apparently, he also was physically abusive to Melissa Benoist. All right, Blake Jenner, good to. Melissa Bueno. Jeez. Wow. Melissa Benoist is the goat. All right. Anyway, she should make movies. I'm not going to watch her fucking CW series. Yeah. I'm sorry, Supergirl. <laughs> I'm just not in on it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll watch her. I'll watch her sing on Glee, but not that. All right. I think I've, I think I've rambled long enough about. That's sad. Oh. It is sad. Oh, man. It is all sad. All right. Well, all right. It's, it's, that's, that's the lone bad news yeah. in this. Um, I did like the rambling, though. I like the rambling. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into our 2010 Oscars, though. Uh, we're doing the 2010 Oscars ceremony uh, for the year 2009 in films. There are 10 movies nominated, so we are switching up the format for this one. Yes, that is right. Hold the phone. <laughs> um, so basically what we're going to do is we're going to do this, like our, our summer movies list way back when. Um, where we each have brought our own lists to the table. We're going to go through our five from five to one, switching off. If somebody has it higher, we'll punt to the highest number on the list. Uh, and we'll just be going in depth on all these movies uh, anyway and, and just having a fun talking about them. And we will compile the show's top five at the end. Um, without further ado, do you want to start us off with your number five? Yeah, my number five is an education. Um, this movie—it's actually really funny. I didn't realize this came out the same year as Orphan, and it's like another example of that same Skarsgård being like kind of a creep bag. Um, yeah. just something, uh, something a little off about him uh, about Peter Sarsgård. I had. I don't know my I don't really know what my expectations were for an education when I like I put it on a few months ago, a couple months ago. I remember just being like, oh, like I'll, I'm finally going to watch this. I like this has been on my list forever. I I think I like Carrie Mulligan. I don't I like I don't know to be honest at at this point. I I wasn't sure if I liked her or not. And then I watched an education and I was like, whoa. Carrie Mulligan's like a great actress. This is a strange film. But, like, I think the movie kind of, like, toes the line on, like, all the things that aren't, like, morally correct about it, which is, like, a really good Carrie Mulligan performance. And just, like, you kind of get, like, lost in the world of her, like, trying to find herself. And you're always just kind of, like, with her, which I, I really like about it. And it's also, like, a good Rosamund Pike, like, oh, like, who's this? I want more of her. And you never really get more of her until, like, Gone Girl, at least from my experience. And then, and then we've never gotten that much of Rosamund Pike again. I don't get it. Like, I don't like all the, every time she has a movie come out, I'm like, I don't want to watch this. Like, what is this? Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to like work with good directors again. Yeah. I, I don't know why it doesn't happen. I mean, does everyone just need Fincher to like be like their whisperer? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I am. Um, I didn't have this one in my in my top five, but I did like this one significantly 
more than I thought I would. I don't know from the title what I thought it was going to be, but like the fact that I kind of like just turned this on and it was like a um, a pretty lighthearted coming of age like dramedy was, uh, or I guess it was more of a drama, but like a pretty like easygoing like uh, coming of age movie. I was like pleasantly surprised by that. And yeah, you're definitely right. Like, um, uh, wrote, or uh, Carrie Mulligan is just awesome in this movie, and um, she does a great job as the lead actress. And I, I liked Alfred Molina as her dad too. I thought he was fun in like a sort of curmudgeonly role. It's kind of cliched, but I don't know. I just like him. Um, but yeah, I just had like I had fun watching this movie. It was a good one. I think um, in a lot of ways, it's attempting to do or it does what the reader attempted to do, which is like tell a story about this like age gap, except for the reader is so like, it's so like emotionally stagnant and like not good at at, like, you know, like pulling at the like threads of the theme. Whereas this like does it a lot more nimbly and you actually have like some fun watching it and you're actually able to like surmount the awkwardness of the age gap, you know, like, and it's always it's always aware of that and like acknowledging that, but in like a way that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, I guess. Yeah. And I think the other thing they do is like you never I, I never really felt like Carrie Mulligan was in like any sort of danger. Like I always kind of felt like she was in control of everything while the other mm-hmm. one was like the reader, which I forgot about that. Uh the reader <laughs> was uh was not. That my movie was just like such like a disappointing way to uh, you know attack a scenario like that um no you're you're 100 right i'm sorry to bring stephen daldry back yeah. in your life it's the last i'll mention the reader the two this last is a much better movie <laughs> <laughs> the two last things i want to like the three last things i want to say i love like the relationship with carrie mulligan and the teacher in an education i thought something like that was really good for like like my girlfriend and i've been watching uh secret life of the american teenager which is like a borderline dangerous show for young people because there's like a part of that show where this girl who hasn't like known her dad ever because he just like didn't want to be a part of her life goes and gets the dad dad is like now back fully in her life and is like good to like remarry her mom like oh my god that's so fucked up uh that would never happen and then they're making yeah, people that never happen so it was nice to for like carrie mulligan for this to kind of blow up in her face but then she had like this like support of like a really like good teacher who was like i was like always here for you and like you always had me i, I really liked that aspect of the movie there's a there's like a worse version of this movie where that teacher is like really annoying but they do a good job of like fleshing her out where she's like you understand why you understand why she like wants to like takes an active participation in this girl's life and why she wants to like try and help her. And uh, you know, like it just does a good job of like um, setting up the like logical reasons why she should do X, Y, and Z, which is like her parents in the school. And then like showing how like seductive and fun the, the other part is with, with Peter Sarsgaard. Um and and like sort of like playing those two things off of off of each other, I think it it just does a really good job. My uh, my final question for you is: Would you rather be married to one of the people from Mumford and Sons or Maggie Gyllenhaal? Because though that's the reality for our two lead stars of this film, I think I would rather be married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is secretly cool. 
I don't know about the guys from Mumford and Sons. Have you ever seen the movie The Kindergarten Teacher? Mm-mm. It's like a. I think it might be like a Netflix original, but she plays like a. She plays a kindergarten teacher who, uh, <laughs> uh, like, he basically just like realizes like one of the kids is really special, and like she's so tired of like her home life, like she really pushes for this kid, and it gets borderline like, like illegal, but like her performance, oh. not okay, not like that. Well, oh. well, not like that. <laughs> not like that, but. Uh, her performance is insane. I remember I watched that movie like on my phone on like a drive home from like like a two hour drive, and she's like she's really good. But uh, I don't know if we're ever going to get to tackle much Maggie Gyllenhaal. I don't really know if she makes many Oscar movies. Yeah, that's sort of like the sad thing is it seems like she makes movies. She makes movies where she's good in them, but they are not normally like crazy good movies if that makes sense well <laughs> she was in the movie that's a large reason for why uh we have to do our shows this way now <laughs> true true the dark knight yeah <laughs> rachel rachel she's also in the uh in, in the movie that netted uh jeff bridges and oscar this year uh crazy heart love that guy love, love me some jeff bridges Love, love Jeff Bridges. We'll get onto the nominations for, for an education. Uh, it got three nominations, uh, no wins, sadly. Uh, the one that I wanted to hone in on here, since I don't think we're going to talk about the movie uh, where the person who did win uh, won. So, so it's Best Actress. Um, Carrie Mulligan was nominated for this film. Uh, Sandra Bullock ended up winning for The Blind Side. The other nominees were Helen Mirren for The Last Station. Uh, oh, please forgive me if I butcher your name. Gabor, Gabori Sadiva for Precious, based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire. Got to do the full name on Precious. Um, and Meryl Streep for Julie and Julia. Um, can we both just agree that, like, definitely would rather give it to Carrie Mulligan than Sandra Bullock? Ten uh, years hindsight. It's a... Uh... It's a speed makeup Oscar for Sandra Bullock. That's how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the makeup for not giving her uh, the Oscar for um, uh, All About Steve. Mm. <laughs> year. I think she got the <laughs> Razzie for that one. Yeah. I, so that a, a little like insight into into what we were going to do if, if for some reason you put the blind side in your top five, because I figured we were going to talk about an education. Uh, is I was like, okay, I'll just put Best Actress for both of them, and if we have to talk about The Blind Side, we'll just talk about the Razzie for Sandra Bullock instead. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I would probably give it to Carrie Mulligan, but uh, why would we ever want to give someone Best Leading Actress in like their first nomination? Why would we ever do that? You know, yeah, that's that's too easy, right? You know, if it, her name's that's not Hillary just- Swank, I don't want it. See, <laughs> see, Sir Sharonin for for same uh, same issues. <laughs> also, also, it's uh, Gabore or it's Gabore uh, Sidibe is her last name. And my dream was always to remake Precious, just so it so, so whatever I made could be called Precious, based off the film Precious, based on the novel Push. <laughs> 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 You what you have to do is um, we'll make a biopic of of your life, 
And, uh, you know, it'll be called Wolf based on the movie Precious, based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire. It's just my life after watching them do four different cuts in two minutes of her, in two seconds of her walking down a lo- like a, like a hallway. <laughs> they had that Michael Bay editing. <laughs> and then it should just be her doing my voiceover. And then yeah. <laughs> it'll be her racial stereotyping going and getting some chicken wings because of course she is of course the large black girl is getting some chicken wings steal, stealing the chicken wings yeah. too Can't <laughs> no. gotta steal <laughs> God. goodness gracious can you believe at, can you believe a black person wrote that movie it's a it's it's shocking and directed it too <laughs> oh man all right you're up <laughs> all i've got to say is uh We'll make sure Mariah Carey is in is in the adaptation of your life too. Thank God. Uh, so my number five is Up. I don't mm. really think we talk too much about Up here. Uh, it's a good movie. I, it's not one of my favorite Pixar's. Uh, the opening ten minutes is a banger. Uh, the rest is just okay. But um, I had it at number five because I don't know. I feel like. There's like a sort of like, it's kind of like a post-hype sleeper now where we've pumped up the first 10 minutes so much that we all, th- that, th- that it got nominated for freaking best picture. Um, but then like, now that we've pumped up the, the first 10 minutes too much, we are, are now like hating on it a little bit, but it's just like a good movie. I, I don't have that much more to say. Yeah, I like Up. I don't have a lot to add to Up that we haven't already done, but I really enjoy Up. I uh I don't know. It's definitely not my first go-to pick summer movie to throw on the TV, but that's mm-hmm. just because it came out later in, in our lives, as 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 we're dictating here. That there's not as much like uh, um, what's the word? Nostalgia behind up, at least for me. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, we have an entire Pixar podcast uh, where you can hear us talk about up. If you would like to hear more, uh, we're going to move on to the notable nominations. It got five nominations, two wins. It took home the Best Animated Feature Film uh, Oscar. The other nominees were Coraline, directed by Henry Selick, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson, our boy, uh, The Princess and the Frog, directed by John Musker and Ron Clement, and The Secret of Kells, directed by Tom oh Moore. God. What a freaking category Holy this shit. year. <laughs> uh, I, uh, wow. I would be partial to just giving this thing to to Fantastic Mr. Fox because I I adore that movie, but um, Jesus, just what a category! Uh, the correct choice is to give it to Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm not like a major Princess and the Frog fan; like I like it, but like it's not really doing much. Um, Same, I agree with that. I agree with that. My Coraline's a banger though too. I've never seen Coraline. I just finally saw Nightmare Before Christmas like this past week. That was one of my five movies. No, it wasn't. I watched that right before we podcasted last week. <laughs> um, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's one of my favorite movies. It's so good. It's um, it's it's like a perfect meld between Wes Anderson and Roald Dahl, uh, and like it's just so funny. It's so easy to watch. Like it's just really impressive. Coraline, though, I will say, if it's streaming somewhere, you should definitely stream it. What's the other one? Corpse Bride. I have 
played the first five minutes of Corpse Bride like six times because I'm always like, wow, like an 80 minute movie. This is great. And then I'm just like, I don't really want to watch the movie right now the moment I start it. And um, <laughs> nothing against the movie. It's probably great. I'll, I'll nope. watch it someday. But uh... That's that's funny. It, it does happen from time to time where you're just like, eh, not into it. Like this is finally <laughs> it. It never is. Uh, what's your number four, Wolf? I don't know if it's higher up on your list, but mine's the Hurt Locker. Mine is, or I have the Hurt Locker at exactly number four as well. So this is a perfect time to do Hurt Locker. Um, I saw the Hurt Locker last summer. So summer 2019, the world was still flowing. And <laughs> that was like around the time where I was only watching movies that were like under like a hundred minutes because I was like, let's just like try to like up my movie count a little bit. But then one mm-hmm. night I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch the Hurt Locker. Won an Oscar. Like it's kind of long, but like why not? And I'm I always like to say I'm not really a uh, like a war movie guy, but like the Hurt Locker is definitely one of my exceptions. I think the Hurt Locker is like an incredible movie. Um, I love Jeremy Renner. It's also one of those movies where like Anthony Mackie's just like there. There's a lot of those movies yeah. that I'm le- I'm realizing now. It's like oh Anthony Mackie's here. Like what's up, dude? Um, Aki just chilling in a, in a role that he's probably overqualified for. Okay, here's my out. here's my thing with that: Is Anthony Mackie overqualified for these roles, or is it the fact that he's an Avenger just making everybody think he's overqualified for everything? I think it's a little bit of both because I do like Anthony Mackie. I think he's a fun actor. Um, but yeah, like your your stock just like immediately goes up like tenfold if you're an Avenger. It's uh, it would almost be like a Chris Evans who's just like the other guy in a movie. You'd be like, "What, Chris Evans? No, he's gotta be like, he's gotta be like mainframe poster at this point." Yeah, you'd be like, "Really?" It, 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 the funny thing about this too, uh, pre pre them becoming Avengers, you have Hawkeye and and Falcon in this movie. Oh wow, I forgot about that. I forgot about Sebastian Stan in it. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. No, that, I'm sorry. I got confused. I was thinking of that new stupid Disney Plus show I'm not going to watch. Um, no, you're all good. <laughs> I, I will not be watching that or WandaVision or any of the other stuff. But you're going to miss out on the canon. So, like, sue me. I got to Endgame. Okay, mm-hmm. sue me. Sorry, dude. I just read every comic ever written, so I'm up to date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know it happens. I also love this movie for the relationship between Renner and the uh, the little Iraqi kid. I thought that was mm-hmm. like really sweet to watch, and it like even though like I think one of the like good parts of this movie is like how Renner like really struggles with like the fact that like he just belongs at war doing his job. And I really love. I can't remember when it happens in the movie. I think it's like near the beginning. Like they had that the bomb, and just like watching them how they handle like a mysterious like item really was like an incredible watch yeah like the the opening to this movie is just incredible where you're just like you're just immediately thrown into it where they have this bomb and then they go and they you know they're trying to just defuse it and it's kind of like a day in the park or whatever and there's a whole bunch of people like watching them and then you just slowly see things kind of go more and more wrong until it explodes and it kills guy pierce uh who like just, you know, decides to pop in for, like, 10 minutes and then dies in that awesome opening scene. Like, uh, and then, like, once once you start with that, like, I, I'm just in on this movie. 
because um, like Catherine Bigelow just does such a good job directing this. I think one reason why it stands out from other war movies is just like she's so good at creating tension in in the film. Like anytime there's something that could be kind of cliched or could be boring, she's good at like making you feel the urgency. Like the um, the like sniper battle that they have or whatever. Oh yeah, where they're just like it seems like they're just sitting there all afternoon. But somehow, somehow, like, that's just, like, a really good scene. It doesn't lose its momentum. She just does a, such a great job. And, um, yeah, I think you mentioned it before, but, like, it just does a really good job, too, of constructing how, like, this is a, addicting to Jeremy Renner's character. It's fascinating. It, uh, kind of, like, seeing this and then, like, a little bit ago, having seen, like, Rambo, it kind of reminds me of the same thing where, like, or first blood where he like can't like reacclimate himself to civilian life. And he's just like, this is like, it's like, we did this and now we're treated like this, which isn't really what Renner went through, but it just kind of made me think of how like war, the way war like, like affects people. It's just like eternal. Like that, that scene where that he's just in the grocery store and he's kind of just like walking around, like kind of like, is this really it? You're just sitting there watching the movie. Like, Oh man. <laughs> So, like I, I i was watching it with my roommate who hadn't seen it before oh. and he was just like he was like damn this is a good scene and i'm like you know you wouldn't really like think about that but like yeah it does just like show how he just like misses it in that one scene are you a uh i don't know if this is the right comparison but they're both like oscar nominees are you a are you a hurt locker or zero dark 30 guy oh man that's tough so i think I think I'm a zero dark 30 guy oh, with, okay. with the extreme caveat of that. I don't agree with the politics of either movie, uh, <laughs> but I think zero dark 30 is like really, really good. I oh, think Catherine okay. Bigelow, I think it's her like leveling up as a director from this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm more of a Hurt Locker guy. I don't know what it is. Probably because I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. Some about zero dark 30 just didn't like, didn't 100% work for me. Sorry, it was so fucking long, but, uh, that movie is long, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember I watched that with my. I'll never forget when I watched the movie. I watched it with my parents. We'll get to this eventually. We'll we'll talk about Zero Dark Thirty a long time. But I watched it with my parents, and uh, I, we were both shocked by the first thirty minutes being this them like beating a man who's just like hanging there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's fucking brutal. Like I said, I don't agree with the politics of that movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll get to the nominations here on Her Locker then. Uh, so this uh, movie netted nine nominations, six wins, including Best Picture. Uh, we're going to hone in, though, on uh, directing not all white men this year we, <laughs> because uh, Catherine Bigelow ended up winning for this movie. The other nominees were James Cameron for Avatar, Quentin Tarantino for Glorious Bastards, Lee Daniels, for Lee Daniels' Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. I'm just going to keep adding layers onto it every time we have to talk about Precious. Why was that the I mean, title? <laughs> I, I have no idea, man. And, and then Jason Reitman for Up in the Air. Okay, so, so what's funny to me is, is so then his next movie after this was The Butler. And in The Butler, there's another movie already called The Butler. So they were going to sue him over it so then he had to make it lee daniels the butler so i feel like with precious now we can be like it's lee daniels precious 
based on the novel pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> oh, wasn't that the movie with uh, Forrest? Uh, yeah, where he's just like the butler and then all, all the other... It, you just have a ton of stars just playing the different presidents. Talk about talk about. Are we sure they're good? Forrest Whitaker. Good lord, <laughs> I have a lot of conflicting thoughts about him. He's always going for it in a movie. Always. No, he. Have you ever seen Bloodsport? Mm-mm. He looks like he doesn't even want to be there in Bloodsport. Really? He's terrible. He's, not, I mean, he's and the he's crying not, game. He's, he's whole bad in the crying game. I just feel like if 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 there's a guy that that we're casting to just come into a movie and scream for five minutes and then leave, it's it's Forrest Whitaker. In the crying game, he's got this like horrific accent, and it's like you can't you <laughs> like you don't know what he says the whole time he's in the movie. You have to put subtitles on. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I can't wait till we get a movie. Get a movie where we have to watch with Forrest Whitaker. We're just gonna roast him. We'll just. We'll that just, might be the butler. It'd be fun. <laughs> um, all right. So Catherine Bigelow beat her ex-husband. Hell yeah. We Did she that. really? We, she beat James Cameron. Really? She beat up? Oh, oh she beat James yeah. Cameron. I thought you said she beat him. No. Well, yeah, I did. I but like, like, like she beat him for the Oscar. You know, good good for her. Good win by her. I, uh, I feel like I feel good about them going with her for this one. I, uh. I can't believe that they that they were married though. That's sort of like a, a insane Hollywood power couple. Is any inch of you like mad that this wasn't Tarantino's time? Yes, uh, a little bit. Even though I think it's probably more silly that he didn't win for for screenplay. Oh, um, what? Who, who won? We will. I believe. We'll get there? Oh, I think I know who won. Okay. Uh, we won't get there on this episode, but he didn't win, what? which is sad. What? Yeah, I'll I'll look it up right now and and keep talking while I'm doing it. Yeah. But like, he's so I think I think the rap on like a lot of people, on from a lot of people on Tarantino is that he's a better writer than a director. I guess I can understand that. I think he's, I think he's a, very good as a director too. But yeah, like I'm a little peeved that he didn't win, but like. Yeah, Hurt Locker won over this for for oh, over Inglorious Bastards for writing. Oh wow! So like, that feels a little weird, but I also I guess the Academy just loved Hurt Locker. So you know what won Best Adapted Screenplay? <laughs> Is it Lee Daniels' Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire? <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, oh my god! We're we're giving so that precious lives rent free in our heads right now. We're, we're, it's spoiler alert. It's not in any of our top fives. We're, we're not going to shut up about this movie. The movie stinks. <laughs> I don't like the movie at all. <laughs> uh, that's a classic movie where I'm watching it and I'm 30 minutes in and I'm like, oh man, I don't like this movie at all. And I go to Letterboxd <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, am I allowed to like feel this way or am I just like totally off beat with everybody else? And it's got a really good rating. And I'm like, oh no. The top review is a half star. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, like, I like this movie. I'm good. Precious is like the classic, like, I came out of it and I was like, eh, I don't hate it as much as I thought I would hate it. And then every time I've talked about it since, I'm just like, 
I don't like that about that movie either. <laughs> and that's why it's silly that uh, <laughs> that that Lee Daniels is in this group of people for directing. <laughs> I can't believe that, man. What a guy. It's, uh, I got a question for you. Do you like, do you feel like it's weird that Jason Reitman is in here on this one? Um, I love Up in the Air, so I'm okay with it. I'm trying to think of who else would be in here. Well, um, so here, here is my like, here, here's my thing with this. I think Jason Reitman does as good of a job as any of these other four people, but like, it's not that like masculine, like athletic filmmaking or whatever, you know, like the other ones, like where they're just really going for it. And I feel like that made it so that he never had a shot at winning, even though like he does a great job. I think uh, we'll get to up in the air very soon, but like, if you like explain that movie to someone, I don't understand. I, I don't think anyone will ever watch it. It's like, Oh, it's about this guy who like goes and fires people. And he, he meets a girl that he likes. And that's the movie. Yeah, like, and, you but, would, like you would be like, how is that interesting? But like the way it's like pieced together and like the performances like make it like this really like I don't know, I love I love that movie. The way it's it's just like pulled me in. It's so good. Up in the air, we'll we'll talk about it very soon, but up in the air is is a really good one. And yeah, I just feel like I'm I'm glad they gave him a nomination, but like it feels like he didn't even have a shot in this group and it's kind of sad. Like, he deserves more consideration for that. You know what? At least now he's always going to be Oscar nominee Jason Reitman. True. He'll always have that on his resume. So, uh, my number three on my list is up in the air. It's higher on your list, though, correct? Mm-hmm. So, we'll, we'll punt until we get, it, get to it on yours. Uh, what's your number three? It's, my number three is your number two, a serious man. Okay, perfect. So we'll we'll talk about a serious man now, and then, um, <laughs> and so so um, this is the movie from the Coen Brothers, uh, starring Michael Stuhlbarg, uh, and really I think this is like an underrated movie in the Coen Brothers canon, and like just an underrated movie like in this year. Like we'll get to the, some of the nominations and stuff like that, but you know, like it got this Best Picture nomination, but it didn't get that much love outside of it and like i kind of don't know why because it's a it's a quick movie b it's like still funny and kind of like darkly comedic um as a a lot of the coen brothers movies are and it just moves really well um and like there's just there's just things like every coen brothers movie i feel like i come away with some one thing where i just like remember that and i keep referencing and referencing it and like you know like for this it's like the uh, the constant use of, of the Jefferson Airplane song, Somebody to Love, uh, which is a great song, and they just use it so well in this. Or like the the story that the one rabbi tells about about the uh, Gentile guy's teeth uh, is is hilarious. And or um, or like the Dybbuk tale at the beginning where they kill the guy and they're all speaking in, in Yiddish, just so good. Like I, I I couldn't like it's it's hard to like not reference those things now when p- things pop up like it, but it's just like a great movie watching the world, like throw horrible things on this guy's life. And just, he just doesn't know how to react. 
Um, Roger Ebert, he was on to it. He gave it four stars. This is... I love a series, man. I remember I picked this up from the library because I was like, okay, like I want like a shorter movie, Oscar nominee, like let's just go with it. And it is so funny. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know what the movie's about. But like, I think that's why like I enjoy a serious man so much. You just get to spend like this time with this man who's living like this tough, miserable life. And yeah. it's just so much fun. Things are just not going well for him in this in this movie. <laughs> like, I, I just feel, yeah, I just feel so bad for him. But I also am like laughing the whole time. Or like the, the rabbi talking about the parking lot all the time. And things like, it's just so funny. I love his shitty brother, Richard Kind. Where he's he's like creating the math formula to like solve everything or whatever, and the cops are showing up at his house. Oh. <laughs> Richard Kind is such like a one of those faces where you're like, oh, I know that guy. What do I know him from? I feel like he's always playing this type of character too, where he's like this innocent like buffoon. That's like an inconvenience to everybody. <laughs> I love Michael Stolberg. This is a this is like a cool movie for him. And I think my only experience with him before this was like Call Me by Your Name. And this is like mm-hmm. a whole different like you really got to like see his acting chops in this movie. He feels like a guy that doesn't get to be the lead actor a lot. No. But he's like a really good character actor. So then, you know, tossing him in the right lead role, like he can carry the movie. Like he did a great job carrying this movie. I was happy to see him like just spend all that time with him in this movie. I really like the whole bit on like the, the, like the, 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 the like mowing the lawn and like, yeah. <laughs> where does it cut off? And like, Oh, this is my yard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just like the one guy being like really the, like the, the Gentile guy that lives next to him, like being really, like aggressive with him about it too. Mm-hmm. My my roommate pointed out a funny thing in it where there's the there's the uh, moment where Clive's dad comes up and talks to him, the the South Korean exchange student that's asking him to change his grade, and it's the one moment that his neighbor is like on his side because he's just like he's just this racist guy who's like, well, you're you're at least white like I am, so I'm going to threaten this guy now for a moment. And then <laughs> Just little interactions like that make the movie so rewatchable. I know, I gotta rewatch it. I, uh, it's just like one of those movies that like, I watch and then like you kind of sat with me being like, that was a funny movie. Like, any more movies like that? And it's, it, it only gets better the more you watch it too. I, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Uh, we got to it a little bit here. It got two nominations, no wins. Um, <laughs> Hurt Locker won over it for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, Inglorious Bastards was nominated. The Messenger uh, was nominated. And Up was nominated. Um, man, this is just a tough category. The, the three, Inglorious, Hurt Locker, and, and this movie are all. That's a gauntlet. What's The Messenger? I, have, I honestly have no idea. I've never even heard of that movie. It has Woody. Woody's in it. Ayo. Oh, wait. Have I? I don't know what the fuck that is. Anyway. Uh... I've seen this. Oh, you oh, have? That's weird. 
I think so. we watched it in one of my classes, I think. Why? I don't know. Oh, wait, no. Never mind. I'm thinking of a different movie. I'm thinking of a Kevin Bacon movie. Hmm. You thinking of A Few Good Men? Yeah. You can't handle the truth. Uh, as for Wild original thing. screenplay, I'm, I'm fine with the Hurt Locker winning this. Um, I don't I don't love it. Like, I wish a series... I think, I mean, I like the Hurt Locker, but I think a serious man's like... Probably a better script, but I don't know. Who am I to say? Um, it, it's a tough category. It's just a tough category this year. I'm surprised Up got nominated. Like, I like Up, but, like, I don't like Up the whole time. It's kind of hard to, like... It's kind of hard to be, like, Up should be a, a Best Original Screenplay nominee when, like, the the first 10 minutes are electric and then, like, the, the last hour and 15 are like an old man and a kid bumbling around with talking dogs and like a bird, <laughs> you know? How excited are you for soul to be free on Disney plus? I'm excited about that price point. I'm excited about free. I can, uh, there's not a lot of things in this world I can afford, but I can afford that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I couldn't afford before that? Mulan. Mulan. Because there is no way I was paying $30 for that movie. I remember my girlfriend and I decided we're just going to watch it when it's free. And I, I, I already have forgotten about it. So we'll see if I ever watch Mulan. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, I, I feel like it's just immediately, like, everybody was like, this sucks. And then it just immediately left the consciousness as soon as that verdict came in. I liked it when uh, someone reported that 27, some stupid number. Oh, like 9 million people had rented it, which meant like the movie had made $270 million. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, I don't well, that's why the... think so. Yeah, it's like, uh, I doubt it. I doubt it, Disney. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you ready for our number, my number two, your number three, Up in the Air? Yes, sir. Let's get to it. What do you think about Up in the Air? I love Up, Up in the Air. I always say that my best favorite kind of George Clooney is when he's pretty much depressed, George Clooney. <laughs> and he is like so depressed in Up in the Air. But like you kind of like I like how this movie like really like follows him on this journey where like at the beginning he's like, you know, you kind of get to understand what his job is of like flying around and killing uh, flying around and firing people. <laughs> he's just a contract killer yeah, I'd be awesome. hired to kill unwanted employees I'd watch that movie uh, <laughs> so I just like the journey of watching George Clooney and how he wants to get all these miles and he just like doesn't really have any sort of a home like he has an apartment that he's barely ever in and he finally you get to see the two different dynamics well there's a lot of different dynamics you see like you get to see him with his family and like he never sees them and like how that kind of gets handled and you get to see him at work and how he's like this king of his job. But then like that starts to go downhill when they decide when they realize they could do a lot of it online. And then you see, and then I think my favorite relationship of his is him with, uh, I was about to say Anne Hathaway, uh, him with uh, Anna Kendrick and how like she like can't handle the job because it just isn't like her style to like go and like fire people and how, he has to kind of like coach her through it and like their relationship's really good. And that's her best performance to date, which is nice that it got her an Oscar nomination. And then him and Vera Farmiga, where you finally think this like 
man who just only wants his miles so he can hang out with Sam Elliott. That, that, that's all he wants in life. He suddenly meets like this perfect woman and he's so disconnected to life. Like he never even thought that maybe she was just like seeing him on the side. So it was, it, it, it did a lot. It's, it's, it's a really good movie. Like it's just so good at though. The character, it just has like, you, you meet him at the beginning of the movie and he's just has his whole like bubble constructed for himself about the way his life should be with like speaking engagements and flying around and firing people. And then, then it's basically just like two hours of like the world challenging him. Once, once you get that established and like, it's just, yeah, it's just Clooney's really great. Uh, and uh, he, this, this movie is, is a, definitely one of his best performances. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, watching him throughout this whole movie is, it's so easy to do, even though it's a, a somewhat, like sad film and uh yeah like the twist with farmiga is really shocking and but then when you rewatch it you're like oh this is all the places where i can see why how i should have been seeing that how that should have been telegraphed um but yeah it's just a really really like it's just a really like darkly another like darkly funny movie oh you you sparked in me. I completely forgot that he's got that whole stick where he talks about his bag. <laughs> Can you feel your backpack? The straps are digging into your shoulders now, or whatever he says. <laughs> worst speaking engagement ever. Like worst speaker ever. It's like I don't need this. Like this is not it. <laughs> it's a motivational speaker where he's basically just like throw everything away in your life. <laughs> Throw everything away and go on the plane a lot. Just just fly as much as you can. You got a you got a family, a wife, a ki- and kids. Well, guess what? You should just burn that house down right now. Get a get a Southwest frequent flyers card and and just go. And even bet better yet, you can put their ashes in a baggie and carry it around in your bag. Yeah, that's much lighter in your backpack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I feel I feel like this is a movie that you and I have talked about like a lot off pod. Just like I don't know, it's just like it, it's like a good intersection between our both both of our tastes. I feel like not a lot of movies. Like if I start a movie when I'm like even kind of tired, I'm probably just gonna go to bed 15 minutes in. But up in the air, definitely it like kept me the whole time. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, it's just like there's just something about it that's just really like it's really easy to watch and just like roll with this guy. I don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I don't know either, but, but I love it. The job of firing people is I, I think probably the worst job imaginable. Yeah. I, I, it's very much on the nose of this man just doesn't, it just isn't normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like he's just, he's got the weirdest life ever. <laughs> Be kind of fun to fly around, but also like, it's good to have some responsibility in your life. Yeah, exactly. And the movie does a good job of like it's showing that you know, like there's a there's a bad version of this movie where you're just like, oh, he's this cool like jet setting guy, right? You know, right. I agree. Um, this movie got six nominations. It did not win any. Um, George Clooney was nominated for best actor in a leading role. Uh, the it eventually went to Jeff Bridges. The other nominees were Colin Firth in A Single Man, Morgan Freeman in Invictus, and Jeremy Renner in The Hurt Locker. 
Uh, do you feel good about Jeff Bridges? Whoa. Do you feel good about Jeff Bridges winning this? I've never seen Crazy Heart, but I love Jeff Bridges so much that, hell yeah, give him an Oscar. That's <laughs> fine. Clooney already has an Oscar. He doesn't need another one. That's true. That's a good point. It's kind of like, it's, it's a little bit of like a makeup Oscar for Bridges' entire career. Um, did you purposely do this so you didn't have to listen to me bitch about Monique winning an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress? No, no. I thought, <laughs> you know, I thought, here, we'll, we'll get to it now. So, so I, have, I have it in the Precious section, just in case we had to talk about Precious. Monique stinks. Um, I'm sorry. Like, you, you can tell me she's, like, good. Like, you can say whatever. Every single one of her lines, she yells. She screams. She absolutely just yells at, at her daughter. And it's like, you don't move from your damn chair and you just yell at her and you win an Oscar. I don't get it. I don't get I, it. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. Uh, off, off air, I, I made the comment to you where it's like every – scene for her is like the day new scene in spotlight for mark ruffalo except for that's just her whole character she's just yelling and crying the whole time yeah like she's screaming at sidibe and sidibe is just like doing her thing and she's like blowing her off the screen because she actually looks like she like belongs in a movie while monique just yells (laughs) it is insane that monique won an oscar for that i gotta say it's just insane i uh i probably would have given it to kendrick over Farmiga, but that's just me. The the options here for for the listening parties. Uh, so the, obviously Monique, who won Penelope Cruz in nine, the uh, musical sequel to Eight and a Half, uh, Vera Farmiga and Up in the Air, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Crazy Heart, and Anna Kendrick and Up in the Air. Yeah, like either Up in the Air. So so this has me wondering. I wonder if it was like a like a um, Monique was third on everybody's list or maybe second on everybody's list is like a thanks for trying. But then what happened is the up in the air people split everybody's votes and then Monique ended up like sliding in. I wonder if that's what happened. I believe that the other thing also, wait, I had a joke. Oh, nine, the, uh, the animated movie with the weird sock puppets movie. (laughs) There was a my sister sent me a TikTok, and it was uh, like things that emanate divorce dad energy. And the movie Nine, that movie was was in it. And I, was like, I was like, "Yep, that checks out." Checks out. Uh, you know, I I I'm, I'm hounding Monique, but I I for, I forgot. I read this little thing about her, and I wanted to look it up, but uh, she apparently is being blackballed by Lee Daniels, Oprah, and Tyler Perry because she didn't do any promotion for precious which maybe because she realized the movie was dog shit so shout out monique <laughs> she's embarrassed by her performance she's the only one <laughs> she's probably like we kept the fried chicken scene are you fucking kidding me what like, really come on guys like what, what, one more thing about precious uh <laughs> and then we'll get to our number one so uh, apparently, I, I was I was reading the Wikipedia page for the book, and apparently, like uh, people really criticized the book because they felt like the author like lopped too many like bad cliches uh, in onto one character, and I feel like the movie just like turns that up to eleven. 
she has so much wrong with her. Like she has yeah. so many. Like I, I'm not one to talk. I don't know her life, but the amount of things going wrong in this girl's life, it's like, it's <laughs> bullshit. Like, is this a? Like, uh, there's obviously like fairy tale aspects to the movie. Like they have that whole like dream sequence thing a couple times, but like, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. It is. It is absolutely insane, and like, it's so. Okay, two two things in the movie where I was like, "Don't you fucking do this to me, movie." <laughs> so there's there's the one scene where she's just had the baby, and Monique is flipping her shit about it, and then she 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 runs down the stairs and she trips and she drops the baby, and then Monique and then they so they add in a sound effect of the baby's head hitting the ground. I'm like, "Oh fuck, the baby's gonna die." And then Monique throws the TV over the edge. And I'm like, now they're going to crush the baby with the TV? I was like, you can't do this to me, movie. They didn't, but I was like, Jesus Christ, guys. Uh, fucking movie. It's so bad. It's so... I saw someone describe it as misery porn, and I was like, this is what this is. It is, and, and Monique just gets that win because for being the most miserable in the. Movie. <laughs> do you think that was? Oh. Do you think that was like another uh, example of like the very white academy being like, ah, this is this is perfect for me. I understand what it's like to be black now. Yeah, I think so. It's it's very much in like the crash. Blindside wheelhouse. The fact that Blindside came out the same year, they they love that too. It just <laughs> shows where their head was at. What is what's our number one? I want you to tell me what our, our number one is. Our number one is the first Quentin Tarantino movie that I ever saw, mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards. Um, I I have in our show notes that uh, it, it at the end boldly claims that this just might be his masterpiece. Uh, and maybe it is. I don't know. It's not my favorite of his movies, but it's certainly up there. Um, and I think it's because Pitt is just incredible to watch as Aldo Rain. I, I could probably quote every line he has in here or just about. And I, I mean, it goes without saying, but Christoph Waltz is awesome too. Um, one thing that I picked up this this watch around was that the cinematography, I think, really like evokes some old Hollywood stuff, like just some of the lighting techniques and things like that, which I didn't notice the first time around, but I thought it's a great touch. Um, you know, Tarantino uh, is really known for like his dialogue and his screenwriting. And it's amazing to me that it translates so well to lang- many different languages in this movie and that the, the attention to detail to like switch between them, like, even just in the opening scene and like the way that they do that, it just really um, sucks you in. And then also like the editing uh, between things and little stories and little things that people say. Uh, it, it's just in, incredible to watch. It's, it's a long movie, but it's so easy to watch. I, uh, I'll still never forget my off Broadway professor who like was an actor said Brad Pitt wasn't a good actor and I was just like what? It's like you're just wrong buddy. What? What, what kind of a take is that? 
It's like, I'm sorry, Brad Pitt's not doing Shakespeare in the park, man. <laughs> what do you like about this movie, though, Wolf? I, I just like how much fun it is. Like, I like how there's so many scenes I can just go back and revisit and just, like, just have so much enjoyment from. Like, I can go back and rewatch, like, Brad Pitt and his, like, white tux. I can go back. Enzo Gorlami. I can go back and watch like the scene with the the uh, um, the bear Jew. <laughs> so good. Like, and then it's like it's the movie that like created Christoph Waltz for us in American cinema, and it's just like it's the first time Quentin got to play with a big flamethrower. So there's just shout out. There's just so much to love about this movie, and it's one I definitely want to revisit again soon. And I just, uh, I don't know where it is on my Tarantino ranking. I've been, wow. I got to rewatch this and Pulp Fiction like really badly. Pulp Fiction, I can barely remember that movie. And I just, I just feel left out at this point. But <laughs> um, I really like Inglorious Bastards. I, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot to hate about it. It's just such a good movie with like some of the, I like some of the scenes where people are just talking and like Christoph Waltz at the very beginning. Like that's it's like, who is this guy? I've never seen this person before, but like, I'm in, I want more of him. Yeah. Like just like right from the beginning, just the way he talks and like, he's just so in control of that situation from the beginning. You're like, Holy shit. It's he's in, like impossible to take your eyes off of when you're watching him. It's also really weird to me that Eli Roth, the bear Jew now like makes low budget shitty horror movies. Yeah. yeah. Hostile and stuff like that. And uh, the green inferno. Do you think, uh, did you, what'd you say? I was going to say, did you hear that, like, apparently Adam Sandler was supposed to play the Bear Jew? He was the original choice. Yeah, I think you told me that. Why, why would he not do that? That'd be awesome. I don't know. I wish he would have done that. That would be amazing watching Adam Sandler do that. He's like a good actor, too. Like, there would have been some, there would have been a lot there to, like, that would have been sick. He just would have been so fun. Like, uh, I think Eli Roth just does a great job, but yeah, like that scene where you're really introduced to the bear Jew. Oh my God. Imagine Adam Sandler playing that scene. It would be great. Um, is this uh, w- like, what is this like right behind in your Quentin Tarantino list? You said it's not your favorite. Like what, what do you think right in front of it? So I, th- I think, I think Jackie Brown is my favorite. That's like one that like, I, it might not be like technically the best one, I guess, but it's just like one of the ones that's easiest for me to watch. Like, and I, I have so much of it. it. It's just so much of like my, I guess like my, my vibes, I guess that I like. Uh, and um, I think Pulp Fiction is right there with it too. Um, especially cause that was like, this was the first one I saw. And then I went and watched Pulp Fiction and I was like, Holy shit. And that kind of like, and in a lot of ways, it made me realize, like, that people made movies. So, like, it's hard to, like, it's hard to not say that that's one of my favorite ones, too, if that makes sense. What about you? I don't know. I think I, it's been too long since I've seen Pulp Fiction in this. I remember, I think I saw Pulp Fiction first. And then I saw Glorious Bastards. Um, like, those two I both have as, like, five-star films. But... I don't know. I wonder if I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood more than them. That's a wonderful, that's an interesting question. Um, 
And Reservoir Dogs is up there. I'm trying to think what my favorite Tarantino is. That's a really they're all like difficult question. So, so good. They're all really good. Like it's um it's a shockingly consistent filmography from him. Oh man, I don't even know where to go with that. My favorite one. It's tough. It's, t- it's oh, tough. Oh, Kill Bill is probably my favorite one. Oh, there you go. Kill Bill's a great one too. Are you a volume one or volume two guy? Um volume one. Volume one's so tight. Yeah. So good. Got that insane uh shot, the tracking shot when they're like when she's about to fight uh, uh who did she fight at that point? Oh she's about to fight the people who are like are protecting Lucy Liu. Yeah. She pulls the guy's eyes out. It's insane. I hope they do make <laughs> there there's like rumors that they're gonna make a movie about like the daughter of like the first woman she kills. And apparently like Zendaya was gonna play her. That would be interesting. I feel like every every like year or so there's like another Quentin Tarantino project where it's like he might write this, he might do this, and it just sounds so interesting. It's like, oh I hope he does, and then nothing happens. You're like then you hear another one another two years down the line, you're like, Oh shit, I hope he does that one too. Uh listen <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this, but listening to him on like the the rewatchables, I feel like I like understand him more and like every time I hear a rumor I'm just like this is just not true (laughs) yeah well yeah like I think he just loves movies so like people would be like would you like to make this and he'd be like yeah I'd love to make that and they'd be like he's making it and it's like cool it it's like no he's watching (laughs) Unstoppable for the fifth time in the last two months yeah exactly like he's just an obsessive person about this (laughs) I think I think too like it's it's weird because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out and it's very different than a lot of his other movies. And I also, it like came out in a very different time. And so like, it seemed like a lot of people were just randomly hating on it. I didn't really feel like it was a bad movie. So I just don't understand. I don't understand. My issue with why I think like I have Inglorious Bastards like ranked higher than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like I understood the history that he was rewriting the Inglorious Bastards. Like I, like we all know, like what 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 was going on there. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even know like what they were doing at all. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like I, I didn't read anything going in. All I've seen was like the trailers a dozen times from going to the theater, but like I didn't do any reading. I was like, okay, Brad Pitt, Leo, Margot. Okay, let's go. I don't know what's going on, but I'm in. And not knowing all that heard it a little bit for me but i think if i were to rewatch it knowing what i know now it'll it'll be incredible it's definitely like it's definitely a movie that improves on rewatch i yeah i feel like i feel like people reacted a lot more adversely to the ending of that because like you said they didn't really understand or like people our age especially maybe we're not as familiar with the manson family stuff uh and so they didn't have it was because like I think it's very comparable to the end of this where there's just a lot of like bloodshed yeah <laughs> and uh, like pretty violently but people uh, in this uh, people with this one obviously were okay because they were just like oh they're Nazis right and then people got really mad because were quite as aware of the bad things that the people in that movie did <laughs> right <laughs> in, in actual life. We'll get on to the nominations, though. 
Uh, eight nominations for this movie. One win for Christoph Waltz. Uh, the other nominee for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, the other nominees were Matt Damon for Invictus, Woody Harrelson for The Messenger. Jeez, they loved that movie, The Messenger. Uh, Christopher Plummer for The Last Station, and Stanley Tucci for Lovely Bones. This is pretty easy to give to Christoph Waltz, I feel. I do love me some Stanley Tucci in The Hunger Games, though. <laughs> the Tucci, it's never bad to have some Tucci. Um, yeah, this is a... This is a uh... I've never seen Invictus. I feel like that's the only one that, like, I don't know. Maybe this is finally Matt Damon's moment, but I'm pretty, I'm, I'm good with Christoph Waltz here, and a few years later, as well. It, Invictus, like, solid sports movie. I don't know if I'd give it to Matt Damon though, like an Oscar for Invictus. He's good in it though. There is one movie we didn't mention at all. Is, yes. is there only one? Uh, there's two. But the one that almost so, made my list. Well, do you want to do this a different way? So here's what I was thinking. I think from here we've got both of our lists in. Let's construct the shows list, and then we'll we'll hit the the movies that we're not gone into in depth. We'll just give quick thoughts. Does that work for you? Sure. So I think number one, it's pretty easy. We just go in Glorious Bastards. We both had it at one. Does that work for you? Yes. We'll slot it in then. Uh, what do you want too? I, I I feel good about putting up in the air too. If you want, I was fine with a serious man, but that works for me. We'll do up in the air two, and then uh, and then a serious man three, and then hurt locker. I feel like it. Yeah, hurt locker four, and um, um. What do you want for number five? We had up or an education. I feel good about an education at five too, actually. I think I prefer that over up. Let's do that then. Because up, I don't know. Up, it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence in me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to read the folks on our list here? Uh, Glorious Bastards, Up in the Air. I was looking at my list for a second. A Serious Man, The Hurt Locker, and An Education. We did just go with you. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I was like, I'm looking at the wrong thing. You got it right. You got it right the first time around. Let's go. <laughs> um, okay, so the ones that we didn't mention that much, um, that didn't make either of our lists. Uh, District Nine. What are your thoughts on District Nine? I had that movie rated at four and a half stars. I watched it two and a half months ago. I couldn't remember a single plot point. So, <laughs> I don't think that movie did as much for me as I thought it did at first. It took a big dive in rating for me too. I had it. I had it. I think at four and a half as well, because I had I had watched it in high school, and I think I just thought it was really deep. And then I was like, and I rewatched it again. And I'm like, this is just an action movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's nothing special. Like when you watch it, I don't know. It's kind of cool when you watch it, but in the end, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, like it's a good movie, but it's just like, ah, eh, I don't know. I'm not like head over heels for it or anything. I dropped it to four stars. I thought that was fine. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Um, we've already. Uh, what What about Avatar? What do you think about Avatar? It's fine. I I think I have I have it at three stars. It's insanely long. It's uh, it yeah. looks pretty cool though. Stories bland. Revolutionary special effects. Uh, and so it's an okay movie. 
I hope the sequels are more interesting. I'll say that because we're going to get fucking four of them. Yeah, <laughs> so, we are. Um, we will cast Precious into a fire and burn it. We won't talk about Precious anymore. Sorry, Lee Daniels. I think, um, I think Lee's fine. <laughs> Lee's, Lee's, Lee's making a lot of money, so he's okay with that. Um, the Blind Side. What do you think about The Blind Side? I've, I feel like I've seen like it too many times and at this point i think when i was younger i thought it was like really something but now in like my my older age i don't i don't really think it's anything yeah i i agree i i rewatching it again was really weird because it's very generic and watching it made me realize how how so many people fell in love with it but it was also like i was like this is a white savior movie and this is this is real bad. This is real bad. It's a real, like, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, okay, I think we're good with the, the actually nominated films. Is there other movies from 2009 that you want to just shed some light on? It's a sick year for horror. Uh, between Orphan, The Loved Ones, House of the Devil, Jennifer's Body, and Triangle. All movies that I'd say I like them all. It's always good when there's like a good year of horror or comedy. It, it never shows up in these Oscars, but then you just uh, like it bolsters the rest of the film schedule. Yeah, that'd be the day they nominate <laughs> these movies. House of the Devil, best picture now. That's a good movie. That'd be kind of <laughs> sick, honestly. That's it. That's if you were the president of the Academy. <laughs> I'll nominate it. Give it a go. What about you? What else did you like from this year? I had uh, so I had the informant uh, from our beloved boy Steven Soderbergh. We couldn't not mention him in the loop, um, which is a political comedy uh, with, written by um, Armando Iannucci, who uh, went on to create uh, Veep, and then also written by Jesse Armstrong, our guy who's the creator of Succession. I got my girlfriend really into the theme song, so we'll just like listen to it sometimes. Oh, the, dude, the theme song's a banger. I'm gonna go nuts. It's so good. Whenever that show comes back and like it's the first drop to the theme song, I'm just going crazy. Just like yeah, the the A24 podcast just released a a, a conversation between cousin Greg and the composer of of the score, and I was like, there's has never been a quicker play for me. That's so funny. That's funny. <laughs> I was like, hell yes. <laughs> um, the other ones I wanted to highlight, Black Dynamite, so funny, such a good spoof movie. Antichrist from Lars von Trier, mm. um, completely fucking horrifying. Uh, Goddamn, what a depressing movie. Uh, and then Fantastic Mr. Fox from Wes Anderson, just a great Incredible movie. movie. I think that about wraps up 2009 for us, though. Hell of a year. This is a good year. Um, neither of us mentioned it, but The Hangover came out in 2009 as well. Yes. A movie I love. I agree. That's another like, it's another one where we circled back around it, and Twitter has decided to hate it. But it was funny for it was so popular for a reason. It was funny. It's like really early Bradley Cooper, still. Yeah, pre drama Bradley Cooper. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. Um. 
You want to tell the folks what we're going to be doing next week? Well, we're going to do very exciting news. Our first like new film, and we're going to watch *Trial of Chicago 7*, which I think comes out Friday or tomorrow. Yes, sir. Know, Friday. Uh, Netflix. Friday. It's the new Aaron Sorkin film. Where I would say we're both pretty pretty big Sorkin fans, and it's got our guy Jeremy Strong in it. Uh, got my favorite alien, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> um, I'm excited for it. I uh, I don't know what to expect. I don't know the story, to be honest. I I, I don't. I, I think I'm gonna go in blind. I think I'm gonna go in just like pretty blind and see how see how it goes. Yeah, it seems like. I mean, I know obviously, like, I think it's circling around like the riots at the uh, 68 Democratic Convention, but I don't know how that really happened because. Obviously, we're much younger than that. So, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm interested to see it though. Yeah, I hope it's I hope it's good. It's got kind of like mixed reviews, but I'm still excited for it. Aaron Sorkin, uh, this will be interesting to see. I feel like he's someone who you know a uh, an editor director doesn't kill him. <laughs> yeah, definitely agreed. Um, yeah, if you're <laughs> Uh, having somebody that challenges him just a little bit every once in a while, I think is a very good thing. Did you ever listen to his episode of the rewatchables? Which one did he do? Butch did... Cassidy and the Sundance kid. Yes. Yeah, I did. He, uh, he really didn't understand the concept of the categories. No, no, not at all. <laughs> he, he, I could tell they were so excited to have him on, but he was really like ruining the flow of the podcast. I love when they have. I see. I genuinely don't like. I, I don't like when they have a guest because then then they'll do something and Bill's then forced to explain to them the rules of the podcast. And I'm like, why don't we just bring like Amanda on? That's enough of a of a guest for me. She's basically Aaron Sorkin. She tell you that. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I'm excited though. I I really want to watch this movie. I'm uh, I'm intrigued. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited to cover a new movie on this on this show too. Maybe it could, <laughs> it's going to be fun. Maybe it could be a new trend as we get closer to the Oscars? Question mark. Ho- who knows? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I'm all for new movies for us to cover here. I I think I you and I both are just like missing that habit of just like seeing a new movie every I'm, weekend i'm so out of the habit like even when something new comes to netflix i'm like i don't care i i can't yeah, i like, can't that. get myself to care and hopefully this is the beginning of me caring yeah hopefully this will like start playing us back into shape here a little bit i hope so well i think we're gonna put a button on that we're gonna call it quits on the 2010 oscars join us for the trial of the chicago